and welcome to the Everyday Neuro podcast series. I'm your host, Dr. Janine Cooper, and I'm aiming to provide you with the knowledge and inspiration to understand the fascinating world of the human brain. Today's podcast is going to introduce you to the brain in regards to its structure, and we're going to be going right to that sort of cellular level. We'll be looking at the neuron, and also we'll be talking about the main lobes and what the brain actually contains. And we'll also be using my experience from the pathology lab and cerebral imaging, as well as information from the latest research. So let's get started. Compared to other parts of the body, such as the liver or the heart, the kidneys, we actually know relatively very little about the human brain. And up until about 30 years ago, most of our knowledge came from actually studying the brain once people had passed away. And it was at this post-mortem investigation level that we were able to explore the sort of structure and the cells that make up the human brain using microscopes. But as you'll know, things have changed dramatically in those 30 years, and we now have fantastic neuroimaging techniques that are allowing us to look at the brain at a much more detailed level while we're still alive, and more importantly, while we're still functioning. So we've gone from looking at a dead brain to actually looking at a live functioning brain. And this is where I've focused most of my research, looking at how these different functions are associated to structures within the brain. If we now consider the size of the adult human brain, then it's approximately 13 to 1400 grams. And in length, it's approximately 15 centimeters. A newborn baby's brain weighs uh, almost a sort of quarter of that. So it's about 300 to 450 grams. So you can see just how much our brain grows across those first sort of 20 to 25 years. So alongside those structural changes and that growth in volume of the human brain, we also know that there is a rapid acquisition of different functions from the very early stages of life where we are very much dependent on others to care for us. We then develop language skills and we're able to use our fantastic memory system to guide us to make new decisions and have experiences that allow us to have a sense of independence. But none of these abilities would be possible without the structure of the brain. So let's now consider some neuroanatomy. The brain, along with the spinal cord, makes up the central nervous system, or the CNS. And the brain is comprised of the cerebral cortex, the brainstem, and the cerebellum. We know the brain is housed within the bony structure of the skull, and it's also wrapped in membranes called meninges. So if we imagine we've got the scalp, and underneath that we have the skull, or the cranium, and then directly underneath that, we have a very tough membrane. Membrane in Greek is meninges. So you can see that's what a meninge is. It's a, it's a membrane. It's called the dura mater and it adheres strongly to the skull. Below that, we have the arachnoid mater. And it's so called because it looks like a, a spider's web. It's softer and it's thinner and it adheres to the dura mater. And then we have something called the subarachnoid space. And this is where we have all your veins, arteries, and capillaries. 
Often when you have a brain injury, then it's often here that you will have a pooling of blood. And unfortunately, we know a lot about coward punches in the news recently. And this is the area that um, a coward punch has the most dramatic effect. It's at this kind of level where obviously there's a lot of blood. And when this blood gets trapped, then it can create all sorts of terrible damage to the brain. So in this subarachnoid space, which is where we are finding the veins, arteries and capillaries, we then have the final of the meninges and that's called the pia mater. And the main reason we have these meninges is because they offer us three lines of defense against toxins and injury. And collectively, they really do act as a first line of protection for the human brain because directly below the third meninge, the pia mater, is the wonderful cerebral cortex. But before I go any further with this episode, I just want to do a quick check-in and see how you're doing. I hope you're enjoying it so far. I also want to let you know that I'm making some exclusive bonus content. And if you'd like to listen to this, then you can do so by subscribing to the Brain Booster or Endorphin Enhancing Membership Levels. And you can find out more by visiting my website, everydayneuro.com.au forward slash podcasts. And you can follow the links to either Acast or to Patreon. You can even give me a little pat on the back um, to show me that you're supporting the podcast and you can do this via Patreon. So I hope to see some of you there, but um, in the meantime, let's get back to the main episode. So what is the human cortex? This is the outer layer of the human brain and cortex in Greek means bark. So it's like this sort of tough outer layer. So let's go back to the basics, really, of what the human brain is. It's basically a tube that's been filled with something called cerebrospinal fluid, or CSF, and that's really just a salty fluid. It cushions the brain, but it also helps by removing any of the sort of waste that's produced from the brain. So at any one time, the brain is active, and sometimes brain cells die and of course this has to be removed as do other sort of metabolic uh, proteins, things that um, could, if they're sort of staying in the brain, could cause damage. Over evolution, parts of the tube, this sort of tube that holds the CSF, well it's bulged outward and also it's started to fold and that's what we see when we look at the cortex. We see these bumps and folds and the sort of bumps that we see are called the gyri gyrus is the singular and the folds that we see are called the sulci or sulcus in the singular until recently little has been understood about how the gyri and sulci of the human brain are formed but thanks to a group of scientists from finland Uh, led by Thomas Tullinan, we've actually been given a little glimpse into how this kind of process may take place. If you'd like to know more about this study, then please go and take a look at the show notes, which can be found on the website everydayneuro.com.au. The human brain has developed into two hemispheres, 
on the, one on the right and one on the left. And they are joined together by a bundle of fibers that allow communication between the hemispheres known as the corpus callosum. And more about that a little bit later. But we know that we have the right and the left hemispheres, but we also have four lobes to the human brain. And they're named after the bony structures that sit directly beneath the um, cortex in that particular area. So, for example, if you now imagine your own head and you think of the area directly above your eyes, this is known as the frontal lobe. If you now take your hands and move your hands in front of your face and then drag them backwards to just before your ears start on either side, then this is where there is a sort of division from the frontal lobe into the parietal lobe. The parietal lobe sits just above the ears and the part of the brain that then sits directly beneath that and to the sort of back of your head. So imagine just at the back of your neck, that's called the occipital lobe. The area which sits just around your ears is known as the temporal lobe. To help you understand where the different lobes are, I provided a detailed graphic in the show notes for this podcast, which can be found at everydayneuro.com. So let's recap. We've got four lobes to the brain. There's the frontal lobe directly above the eyes, then behind that and to the top of the head, just above the ears and reaching slightly back towards the back of the head is the parietal lobe. At the base of the skull in that very back portion, sort of behind your ears is the occipital lobe and then the area that sort of is cushioned to the sides where your ears are is known as the temporal lobe. The various lobes of the brain are associated with different functions. For example, the temporal lobe has been associated with the ability to form memories and we often see through brain injured patients that there is actually a strong association between damage to regions of that temporal lobe such as the hippocampus and an inability to form new memories. If this is an area that interests you why not listen to some of the podcasts on neuropsychology, the relationship between function and the structure of the brain. As I mentioned earlier, there are two hemispheres in the human brain, the right and the left, and these are thought to be asymmetric due to the fact that the right hemisphere, its neuroatomical structure is not the same as the neuroatomical structure of the left hemisphere. And we also see that there are differences in the associated functions between the left and the right hemisphere as well. Over many years of studying the human brain and looking at various functions in human beings, we've discovered that, in fact, the ability to produce and comprehend language appears in most people to be lateralized or focused heavily within the left hemisphere of the human brain. 
So we've gone over quite a bit so far in the very first part of this podcast. We've talked about the brain and its weight or its volume. We've looked at the idea that it's encased in the skull and it's also protected by three membranes, each of which that are slightly different. We have the dura mater, which is directly beneath the skull. We have the arachnoid mater, which is web-like and softer. Uh, directly beneath that is the arachnoid space where all your blood vessels and arteries reside. And then finally, the pia mater, which is practically touching the cortex of the human brain. In its very essence, the cortex is almost bark-like and it's wrapped around the internal tube which contains CSF or cerebrospinal fluid, which if you recall is the sort of salty fluid that takes away waste products, metabolic waste products, and acts to cushion the brain. Now we've had a recap, I'm going to move on to the final part of the podcast and discuss neurons. What are they? Well, neurons are nerve cells that are the basic, or you could say the fundamental units of the brain and nervous system. Typically, neurons have a cell body and they have dendrites, an axon and axon terminals. In the human brain, there are approximately 86 billion neurons And this figure has actually been modified from 100 billion, which was the the number that was brandished around for many years without actually there being any um, experimental evidence. It's thanks to a brilliant Brazilian neuroscientist called Susana Herculano Huzel that the figure is now known to be 86 billion thereabout. That's in contrast to um, a baboon, for example, that has roughly about 14 billion neurons and an ape that has around 7 billion neurons. Let's take a moment to imagine what a neuron looks like or you can go to the everydayneuro.com.au website and you can have a look at the graphic that I've provided you with. But let's say you're not looking at that right now. Let's try and imagine what a neuron looks like. So at one end, imagine there is almost like a blazing sun. So within the center of the sun, that's called the cell body. And there is the nucleus within that. And then this, the blazing sort of rays are known as dendrites. Imagine attached to your blazing sun that there's a a long, well, usually long extremity. This is called the axon. And the axon is covered by a fat called a lipid. And this fat-like sheath allows conduction of electrical impulses. And this is called the myelin sheath. At the very end of the axon, so it's the opposite end to your blazing sun, you have branch-like structures called the axon terminals. And that's pretty much a rough diagram of a neuron. As a quick little exercise, why don't you try drawing what I've described and then comparing and contrasting it to the graphic that I've provided in your podcast uh, show notes at everydayneuro.com.au. So we're using staggering numbers to talk about the amount of neurons we have in the human brain. We're talking about 86 billion neurons. And if we then consider that there is, for each neuron, approximately 7,000 connections, then you can see just how impressive the human brain is. 
When we think about the communication between the neurons, then this becomes a process whereby a neuron receives a signal from another neuron via its dendrites. These allow the signal to then propagate towards the cell body. And once it reaches the cell body, the signal is then passed along the axon towards the axon terminals. Here, the signal crosses to another neuron via the synapse. This is a complex process, but fear not. I have simplified this in the Everyday Neuro online course called An Introduction to the Human Brain. As well as learning how to name, identify and locate major areas of the human brain, you'll also be able to link these structures to important functions such as memory, planning and decision making and emotions, including stress and anxiety. And you can find out more about this by visiting the online courses tab at the everydayneuro.com website. So we now know that our wonderful brain has many functions thanks to nerve cells called neurons. But really, we've actually only scratched the surface. So why not join me for another episode of the Everyday Neuro Podcast? But for now, that's farewell from me. And please remember to look after that amazing brain of yours. Until next time, take care.